We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your Ross's retired edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. And Jacob Westendorf and I both tried to do the intro at the same time, edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, but that is right. Um, Ross is retired. Kind of like MJ when he retired for the Bulls. Will he be back? Will he not be back? We don't know. He'll probably he'll probably be back. That's what I think. But for the as time we know... Ross didn't get suspended. Michael Jordan might have. Hey, all hearsay. That's all hearsay. <laughs> don't talk. Don't come at the goat like that. Um, but in any case, um, yeah, this is your new, uh, your, your new uh, gruesome twosome dynamic duo in the two Jacobs, Westendorf and Morley. Uh, we'll try to keep our names straight so you guys can keep uh, keep track of who's talking. But today, Jacob, we are talking about two seventh-round draft picks. Um, Hall of Famers. About the, Hall of Famers, potentially. Uh, one of them has a Hall of Famers number, so that is fun. And uh, obviously, that's Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Iowa State. We're also talking about uh, Corey Valentine out of 
or sorry, Carrington Valentine. It's that's how confusing is that going to be? There's a Corey Valentine and a Carrington Valentine. I got I got good news for you. <laughs> I bet I both of them will be. <laughs> You're probably right. Mixed their roster. I I would agree with that. Um, and let's let's just dive right in with with Carrington because he's someone. I think it was like the the Dontavion Wicks pick. I yeah. said in the Packer Report chat, I was like, "Hey, I know they like. I know I knew they like Valentine. You look at his measurables; he is very much a guy that they type the type of guy they go after." And I had heard some whispers that uh, they were doing some sniffing around him. So I, I said, and I think I even tweeted it, like, "Hey, Valentine is a name to watch here." They got him almost a hundred picks later, which I think is pretty incredible value because when I initially tweeted that out and and threw it in the Packer report chat. A lot of people are like, no, not him, not here. But I think in the seventh round, that's incredible value for, for a player of his caliber. Um, and Jacob, when you, when you look at the kid, the first thing that pops out is the measurables, the size, the speed, the movement ability. And when you look at team fit for him, I mean, this is a pretty easy one. When you, when you look at, where is he going to fit in if he's on this roster in 2023? Special teams. He's a Basashia baddie. Like, that's what he needs to be for this team. Uh, run down the field and hit. And he has tools on the outside. And I think he's an outside corner. I don't think he has the the the, the, the feet to play on the inside. Um, but I think he has the length and athleticism to play on the outside for this team eventually. Um, but in the seventh round, a really, really nice developmental prospect uh, for this Packers team. And someone, you know, we were just talking about pre, pre-show, Jacob, needs for this team next year. What could be some sneaky needs? Well, corner could be a sneaky need. If Rasul is gone, if Stokes is never, you know, back to form. And having a guy like Valentine with one year under his belt with the tools that he has, uh, he's a guy that you probably don't want to be counting on ever you know going into 2024 uh but someone that could surprise he's one of those types he he lasted till the seventh round um for some reasons uh i think one of those reasons is uh ball production he he does he has one career interception and it's it's a it's the clip that you see of him in the back of the end zone kind of bouncing the ball around and it ended up in his hands um he is very much a that's why he plays defense type of guy when you watch him play a couple of just Foot, uh, fish hooks out there for hands, not really able to catch the ball that well. Uh, but as long as he's staying in his in his receiver's hip pocket, I don't think it matters that much. Um, Jacob, I'm going to kick it to you here, uh, just talking about this Valentine kid out of Kentucky. Uh, what initially sticks out to you, and how do you think a kid like him, you know, when you look at the roster construction side of things, where does he fit in? Yeah, another size speed guy. Um, you look at the way the Packers have used their seventh round picks. I think they are their later picks. I think they do them well. I think this kind of annoys some fans that maybe understand a little bit less as to what we're trying to accomplish here as you get into the later parts of the day. Um, you know, the draft, Justice Mosqueda says the draft is four rounds with the Packers. They've had some success in the fifth round. Guys like Aaron Jones come to mind, but they're really just dart throws or preferred undrafted free agents. Like, hey, we, we wouldn't dra- – or like this guy could be an undrafted free agent. We just want to make sure we get him into our camp. So we draft him. And that's the way that some of these things work. Um, so he's one of those guys that I think fits that mold. You, know, you think back to Dimitri Goodson, uh, Sam Shields, just as far as that 
size and speed in the case of Goodson or size or speed in the case of, of Shields because he was a little bit smaller. Uh, the Packers just kind of trying to find a spot there for somebody. And yeah, if nothing else, he's Tariq Carpenter who comes in with those measurables and they hit on a special teams player. What was the phrase you used? Bisaccia baddie. I don't, I don't understand that. I'm old, but yeah, that sure. It's cool. It's say it's what the cool kids say. Okay, I don't know anything. That's about why you that, would. That's so. why you wouldn't know what it is. Right. Exactly. It makes perfect sense now as to why that would happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, he sticks out that way. I think as far as roster construction goes, I mean, the Packers' top four corners are pretty well set in stone. You know, if Eric Stokes is healthy, it's him and Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon. Those are your top four corners. After that. Shamar John Charles, Corey Ballantyne, what are they calling in his gains? Like, you know, where do you find that spot? He's looking at a back half of the roster type and his his route to the roster. When you are that player, if you're on the back end of the depth chart, unless your name is Randall Cobb, then it's on special teams. And if you're going to play on special teams for this team, that's a big deal because it's clear over the last, what, year plus, Rich Bisaccia has a very large voice in the room and deservedly so, you know, as far as coaches on the team, uh, he's the most accomplished one, not named Matt LaFleur. So I, I don't have a problem necessarily with giving Bisaccia uh, as much say as he's had. And the other reason is because, Hey man, if, if you could just make this special teams unit respectable, the Packers haven't had that in a very long time. So I will take respectable any day of the week on that. So that's where I see, you know, him falling on this route on this. I thought it was funny that you mentioned him in the fifth round. And then when they took him in the seventh round, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that now. It was like, you know, Morley was about three picks ahead of the game here, but they got him. So good for him. Dude, I will say this is off subject, but the hardest thing about doing draft work is placing guys because I think Valentine could have easily gone in the fifth round. Like you look, I, I did this the other day. I looked at the fifth round picks and then I looked at the Packers seventh round picks and I was like, I could have seen, these all flopped. And for me, that's the hardest thing to judge. It's like, okay, so when exactly is this guy going to come off the board? Especially when you, when you get to day three. Um, and, and that's the case for really all these guys. I think the Packers seventh round, people were excited about. Like fans and you know analysts alike were like, wow, they got four dudes that could potentially play. And a question I have for you, name me – Name me some bottom of the roster corners that the Packers have rostered the last like three years. Uh, I mean, Shamar John Charles is the one that comes to mind. Um, Him. Who's the kid Isaac that Yadam. was Adam? Yeah, yeah, Adam. Uh, who's the kid that couldn't tackle ever? But all of them. It's a wide receiver. Oh. He was a wide receiver. Oh, uh, shoot. Well, Andy loved him too. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, converted it, receiver. Uh, I don't remember. I his mean, Valentine ba- is another oh, one. Valentine's right? another one. And the point I'm trying to make is, I like I like Carrington Valentine better than all those guys as a prospect. Right? Yeah, like, and you know, the, again, the reality here is we're we're talking about a guy who you like that guy better as a prospect. And again, I know that this is like not great analysis, but it's like if he doesn't work out, then who cares? Like, right. Seventh round pick. A terrible way to put it, but he was a seventh round pick, so who cares? A like worthy the ceiling. Swing. I would say the ceiling for a seventh round pick that you think of that's like realistic is Jeff Janis. Or, you know, just to use that as a name or something mm-hmm. like that. Like everybody sure. thinks that a sixth round pick is only worth it if he turns into Tom Brady. You know, like the a fifth round yeah. pick on a Marcos Valdez Scantling, for example. That's a home run pick. But or he's but he's like not Ty, a home run player. Ty, Ty Summers. 
Ty Summers was a great draft pick. Right. Play, he, they got three true. years, three years of production out of a seventh round draft pick on special teams. Like, well, to be great, fair, though, great is not specifically. Like, was that a byproduct of what could else be. was here? Yeah, could be. But I know but the general case, premise of what you're saying is correct. Right. And so, like, that's what you're looking for. And with Ballantyne, that's why I think it's exciting because I think you got a guy in the seventh round that has legit starter potential. Like with Shamar Jean Charles, with Corey Ballantyne, with, you know, guys like Ennis Gaines even, or gosh, I really wish I could think of that guy's name, but that's kind of the whole point here is like none of those guys you looked at and you were ever like, okay, this guy could start for the Packers someday and they could be okay. With Corey Carrington Valentine, like he has the tools that he could be a starter someday, and you know, in a in a similar pool of a guy like Sam Shields, where it's like, dude, he's just raw. He's raw as, as all get out, and if they can teach him how to play the position, they they might have a a good to above average player. Um, so that's exciting. And speaking of guys that can start for this team as seventh round draft picks. Um, Seems like the consensus amongst Packers, Twitter, fans, analysts, coaches even, is that like Anthony Johnson Jr. legit could have a a shot to come in here and be a day one starter as a seventh round draft pick. Jacob, I cannot explain to you how floored I was that he just was sitting there in round seven in a really, really bad safety class. Right. Um, You know, we're talking about Anthony Johnson, the kid out of Iowa State. He played corner for four years at Iowa State, did not have an interception in those four years, moved to safety head two. And he's I I want to I want to read the the uh, the team fit write up that I had for him in the draft guide. Because it kind Adrian of Ento was the name of the corner that couldn't Adrian tackle. Ento. Thank you. Yes. Sorry, I didn't I want like it to get Valentine too far away, better. but while you were looking or talking, I was pretending to listen and looking that up. Well, thank you. I'm glad we know that now. <laughs> but so what I was saying though is the how he fits with the Packers. This is what I wrote in the draft guide, and I think it rings. It, it really rings true to the kind of where they're at with him as a seventh round pick. And the fit is Johnson has all the physical tools teams love, and it's the type of guy that is going to make mistakes early. But if Green Bay is willing to let him learn on the fly and make those mistakes, he is also the type of athlete that can overcome and outrun some of those mistakes. And how true is that for the Packers this year? And I think that's where the the conversation has to start. I am not going to get into the rebuild, retool conversation, but where the Packers' defensive backfield is right now, as it stands today, if they're going to go with youth, then you have to just live with the mistakes that Anthony Johnson Jr. is going to make as a rookie because I think he is going to make some plays that can help him with that. And what I mean by outrun some of those mistakes is he is a legit – you know, four four high four five type athlete from the safety position with corner type hips, and his change of direction ability is really really nice. And that's why when I watched him, man, I got I got, and I want to couch this a little bit because I'm about to name an all pro. But the guy that I comped him to is Jesse Bates when he came out of Wake Forest. Uh, similar similar prospect in the sense that Jesse Bates played corner for the majority of his time at Wake Forest, and then made a switch to safety. You know, late in his career at Wake Forest, he went in round two. But 
with Anthony Johnson Jr., there was talk of him going on day two. And that's why it was so crazy that he was there on day three. Uh, because, I mean, for God's sake, Chris Collinsworth had him in his first round mock, <laughs> like pick 28, which is bizarre and not wasn't very wise. But uh, that just goes to show you that like some people really, really like the kid. And I think the Packers got a potential player in him, and he's someone as well. Um, played a ton of special team snaps at Iowa State. And, and that might be where the Packers are looking at him right away and saying, like, hey, we picked you because you were like one of one of the special teams aces on your college football team. But he has the ability to start for this team from day one. I don't know who is going to be starting next to him, but it would not shock me at all if the Packers open up their mini camp when the vet- veterans come in and Anthony Johnson Jr. is just first in line with the safeties, which is bizarre, Jacob, because as you pointed out a few years ago, in Goody's first couple of drafts, the only person they ever really gave the keys to as a rookie, and honestly yeah. still in, in some cases, yeah, in some cases it's still this way, is – total. It's Savage, Josh Myers, and Quay Walker. That's it. And Chris and Chris Barnes, but he was kind of out of like everyone was. That hurt. was yeah. Well, and they he was an undrafted player, and he kind of didn't start like day one of camp. That was a surprise to everyone. Like True. I'm not kidding. Yeah. There was no preseason that year to the point where they made the first tackle of the game, and they said it saw 51, and I had said literally, "Who the hell is that?" Like I didn't know. <laughs> and I, I'd like to think I'm relatively plugged in to what this team is doing, but you're right and. It's interesting. I don't want to go so far as to say I won't be surprised if he opens minicamp as a starter just because because of what you just said, number one. Uh, and number two, I just think that when you only invested a seventh-round pick at somebody, like, for example, Darnell Savage is a starter at safety, and they've talked about using him more in a role. Rob Domowski had a report that said the Packers plan on using him more in a role similar to what they did a couple years ago when he had such a strong finish under Mike Fenton, which – I'm just hanging on to as much as I can uh, because I want Darnell Savage was such a difference maker for this defense when he was really good in 2020 and to close 2021 that I just want that to be a thing. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it can be, I I admittedly have said that. I don't know if it can be, I'm not counting on it, but I want it to be, but he's going to start next to him is where it becomes a question. Dallin Lovett is, I, I think it was Andy Herman that said, toss him in with your long snapper uh, your punter and your kicker. He's a specialist. Yeah, he's not. Yes. You Rudy do not Ford, want number six on the field. No, Rudy Ford can play in a pinch, but you probably don't want him to start. Tavarius Ward also here because of special teams, you would think. But even still, I would imagine those guys are ahead of Anthony Johnson Jr. And then you start getting into, okay, so where does he fit in on those kinds of things? But the guys I just mentioned are either, in the case of Ford and Ward, Jags, or in the case of Darnell Savage, kind of on his last leg, you know, or mm-hmm. at minimum, if nothing else, they're going to be moving Savage around to where he starts playing some nickel stuff, doing some things like that too. So there's definitely an opportunity for Johnson. I will say it was eye-opening to hear Ben Fennel in his draft recap with Andy say that he's going to start for this team. Cause then my eyes were like, Whoa, okay. So, you know, what else is, what else is going on here now? Will that actually happen? I don't know. Um, I think there's a toughness level that Johnson can bring. I think a special teams background certainly says that as well. Uh, and I do think that that's something else that, you know, again, if nothing else, this is a guy who 
based on his skill set, number one, what he did in college, number two, and number three, his just his leadership and intangible ability. I will not be surprised if two years from now you and I are talking about this guy as a captain of the special teams unit. Um, just just with the way that things have gone. And maybe by then he's starting on defense. You know, they gave him number 36. Sometimes they're cautious with numbers. Sometimes they're not. Like they only give ones to certain guys they really like. And I thought 36 was that. But then they gave it to Vernon Scott, which no disrespect mm-hmm. to Vernon Scott. But again, when you're a seventh round pick, like it's not like when they gave 21 to Ha Ha Clinton Dix and they were like, oh, that was Woodson's number. And that's the first time somebody's worn that since Woodson. Um, they did that just recently with 17. They gave 17 to a kicker, which I don't care. I'm not going to get worked up over number choices. It's just a little strange that, that that's the way that's worked for, for some numbers and, and maybe not others. But yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm interested to see him in because, you know, the safety position is one that was a sore spot last year. I kind of said this year that I thought the safety class stunk. I still think that. And I say that and still think that, but I also think that, where you got him, it was almost like, you know, like, for example, I didn't love Brian Branch, but if the Packers were able to get him after two trade backs at pick number 50, that's where I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, that would have been fine. He's not really a safety. I still think that too, but I'm not using the 13th overall pick on him in this case to go grab him like he was being mocked in some places. You know, picking him at 50 would have been fine by me. Well, picking Anthony Johnson, I would have been fine with him as early as the fourth round. So if I'm good with him at pick 116, I'm definitely good with him at pick 200 something. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I think – I don't know how much the Packers care about it's, – it's, it's weird to say that because they took Darnell Savage so high, but with Joe Barry running that split safety – I mean, the idea is it's, you can It is throw. interesting because, yeah, Savage, they drafted in the first round and they paid Adrian Amos, who I don't want to come back, by the way. Mm-hmm. I know that yeah. I know that sounds terrible, but like... Play the, just play the young guys. Yeah. Just play the... I'm and it's, you. yeah, I mean, this is one of those not to do the rebuild, retool thing, but like in a year like this year, whatever you want to call it, they're not trying to... They're not likely to win a Super Bowl. So if you're not doing that, just let the young guys do it and see if you got a long-term solution there. But... They paid Amos and they draft. They traded up for Savage, but that was when Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator. So, how much sway did he have on that kind of thing, too? Yeah, and you know, I know, I know, PFF grades are not the gospel, but with sure. well, I'm, I'm pretty positive. <laughs> but you look at the sa- the way they graded the safeties in those two different schemes, and since Joe Barry, the safety play has graded out a lot a lot more poorly. And I think a lot of that is just because, I mean, they're not really asking them to do a ton besides just don't get beat. And they do still sometimes. Well, I mean, maybe the other thing about it though, is like if they are going to use Savage in that robber role, the way that they have, you know, in past years, the question then becomes like, you know, one of the biggest complaints every single person in the world has is that a team, quote, never makes adjustments. But at least it sounds like in the offseason, and the Packers did make adjustments and teams do all the time. But, you know, there were some legitimate adjustments that were made down the stretch to when that defense played better. It was partially a byproduct of playing Justin Fields and Baker Mayfield and all these other crappy quarterbacks they ran into. But they also did some better things down the stretch. I'll be interested to see if that continues. And if they change the way they're going to use Darnell Savage, then it's not just as simple as, play the shell, play the shell, play the shell. Because if it is as simple as that, then sure, it's just don't get beat. And like you said, sometimes guys do get beat on that. But if it's just as simple as play – or if it's not just as simple as that, it won't be if Savage is playing the robber, which then has me excited for other things too because if he's playing the robber, that means they're letting the other corners do some stuff that they're a little bit better at. Maybe the defensive game plan looks a little bit a little bit different. Long way to go. It's May 8th. The Packers' first game won't be until you know early September, and we'll probably be sitting here pissing and moaning about how they're not doing anything right after they give up 35 to the Lions or something like that. As we do. And that's the last thing I'll say about that. I know this kind of turned into like the safety podcast because of the Anthony Johnson talk, but one thing that I know about Darnell Savage is he's got a very quick trigger, and he does. that's why he does better at the line of scrimmage, and that's why he – does a better job in that robber role where he's just kind of allowed to roam and make plays. That's not really where you want a guy playing that split safety. Be patient, be patient, be patient, keep everything in front of you type role because he's not very good at it. He, he's not patient. He doesn't want to keep everything in front of him. He doesn't want to just sit back and not get beat deep. He wants to make plays and, and that's like in his DNA. And that's why I have some cautious optimism for him this season. If they can let him go back to doing and it's just – it's so weird because they didn't let him start out by doing that. They kind of took this this robber star player from Maryland, tried try to turn him into a safety, and it didn't really work right away. So then they let him kind of you know get closer to the line of scrimmage and start making plays, and he played really, really well. 
And then Joe Barry came in and they went back yes. to the same thing they did from the start. Like, oh, let's make him play deep again. It's like, well, we already know he's not good at that. If so, the Packers score a touchdown in the championship game against the Bucks, we're talking about Savage in the same breath as um, Alexander. So he had an interception in that game as well. Yep. As far as like just how that game went. And with the way that whole season went, I mean, I'm not kidding, Morley. I mean, I, I, I'm i not trying to do the whole, I was at the game, so I saw things different than you guys did. Mm-hmm. But there are things that you can see differently in person, or at least it feels that way. And I remember his interception against Tennessee in the snow that year. And if you guys go back and watch that, that looks like a completely different player of just like, you saw Tannehill starting to release it, and then Savage is already gone. Like he ran the route for the player, and he caught it and he was gone. He didn't score on the play, but still, like, he has special traits. Those traits are still in there. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Can he do that? I don't know. You know, that's that's the other thing about this point in the season. There's plenty of things that are also on film for Savage that aren't so good. You know, you mentioned he's good close to the line of scrimmage as far as reaction. Yeah, he's also maybe the least physical player in the world in run defense, and that doesn't necessarily play well. And that's where the struggle comes with, we'll just make him the starting nickel. Well, you can't do that because then you're like the Packers, the Packers run defense. Like I worry right now that like if they played the Eagles tomorrow and I use the Eagles cause they gave up 300 something to them last year on the ground, they might give up four bills to the Eagles. Just yeah, because right. what, what would be different? What would be different? Like what have worse. they done to they're give worse. you any confidence, right. To give they're you worse. any confidence that they're going to go in there. Maybe, right. The only like, thing I would say is like maybe Jordan Love gets a full half and keeps the score closer so they can't just cram it down their throat the whole well, game. Well, even then, but like, I mean, the other thing I'm thinking would. of on that is just like Jerron Reed is gone. He's probably a better run defender at this stage of his career than Wyatt is. And uh, the defensive linemen they brought in were pass rushers. So it's not like they're they're going to get more snaps to run defenders. Like the Packers, we're not talking about needs on this show, but like one thing that I think they need between now and training camp is a somebody in the mold of, Linval Joseph, Michael Brockers, just that one-dimensional run defender to come in and play with, you know, Kenny Clark or, or TJ Slayton or some of those guys, just because I understand the theory of you want to get after the quarterback on the inside, but like, you know, the Packers pass rush unit with Van Ness and when they get Gary back and all these guys has potential to be really, really devastating. The problem is <laughs> you can't rush the passer when it's second and two, third and one, because then what teams are going to do is that, Push play is still legal, so they're just going to line up behind the quarterback and shove him forward. Maybe it's JJ Ford. Oh, what's his name? Not JJ Ford. I have my doubts, but sure, maybe. Who's the massive? Is that his name? Jonathan Ford. Yeah, Jonathan who Ford. I don't believe got a helmet. I don't think he got a helmet in any game last year. Nope. I think he was a healthy. Scratch. He did not. But he big. He's a big boy. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll have plenty of time to talk about all that this off season, as the off season now is kind of. Uh, we're gonna we're going cricket mode, kind of. There's not a lot going to be going on here for a little bit. So, so on uh, that we'll, note, if you guys got stuff you want us to discuss, trust me, Morley and I can be plenty creative and nerd the piss out of this thing. But we would appreciate some help. So send us uh, your yeah. guys' suggestions on things we can talk about as soon as next week. Because after next yep. week, we are done for a little while. Next week, maybe we could talk about the schedule and when you're coming to Lambeau for the Chiefs game. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yep. But until then. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Pack Go.